A petition has been organised wanting to stop what they say is forestry carnage. Mana Tai Tairafati, a group including farmers and horticulturalists, Māori landowners and conservation workers. Storm damaged in Tolaga Bay in 2018 from slash or leftover forestry debris after harvests led to five companies being prosecuted and fined hundreds of thousands of dollars. The slash has happened again after cyclone hail. Now we discussed this very issue with Gary Taylor from the Environmental Defence Fund last week on the panel and they are calling for a commission of inquiry but with us now is group member uh, Hera Ngata Gibson from uh, Manataio Tairafati Hera, kia ora Kia ora, kia ora You're calling this an ecological disaster so just explain to us give us an insight into just how bad this is Yeah, it's um it's pretty hard to describe in words, uh, but we have probably over the last 10 years, we are seeing um, increasingly, um, an increasing amount of slash, uh, forestry slash uh, sediment um, uh, coming, getting into our waterways, and it's just littered everywhere. You're seeing it on the beaches. Uh, it's having a massive impact on our kaimwana, our seafood. Uh, you'll see, in, uh, it may have seen some coverage up, up in Tikapa, which is north, yeah. about an hour north of us. Just uh, thousands of crayfish and power uh, just suffocated by the silt and fresh water that's coming coming out. This, yeah, there's miles of slash on their beaches. Uh, it's just out of sight, out of mind, but that bit more out of sight, out of mind than here in Tolaga. But, you know, uh, sadly, uh, the name we've coined for our beach in Tolaga Bay, which was once beautiful yellow sands when we were growing up, uh, we're calling it 90 Pile Beach. (laughs) 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 It's pretty sad, but uh, it's just... It's paradise lost. I can uh, uh, put it like... I I see it that way. I'll see it paradise, I I know. Well, Um, you you do say here uh, that um, you know it used to be a place where you could sit with whānau, eat kina off the sea, enjoy. So you have seen significant change in the last decade. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We we noticed it in the the taste of our food, particularly at Atolaga. Uh, the kina has, a, has, has become gone from a sweet urchin to a quite a sour tasting uh, kina. Uh, the for oh, the um, yeah, what's happened up at Teacupa is I'm not surprised, but it's very sad. Um, but even our our fresh water, hey, the, don't see our the old white bait runs anymore. Uh, you know, you, you notice it with the, your those things you're used to cap- used to um, uh, dining on season to season suddenly are, are getting a bit more scarce, or you just don't see them where you used to. Uh, so you don't see the pippies at the pippy bed so much. You're not seeing the kahawai as often as we used to. We don't get the bit. Yeah, it, it's all these things we, we're noticing. Okay, so we've got a panel with us as well here. They'll um, uh, jump in, but just just. Um, from me, I'm looking at images, in fact, right now, for example, yeah. of the uh, Mangotukero River, Toloka yeah. Bay. Uh, yeah. you, it's actually um, unbelievable. It looks like some sort of um, digitization. You can't see the river. You can just see, as far as the eye can see, wood. 
uh, how does one start cleaning all that up? Well, um, that's just what every that's just what people can see from the roads most public have access to. But you go further up into that catchment, there's yeah. way more flash up in there. Oh. And that's just one catchment that feeds that ultimately ends up in Tolaga. Um, there is tons and tons of slash just littering the hills, littering the the small water, the smaller arteries that feed the bigger waterways. But that, that's just a that's that's just a drop in the ocean. Uh, what what we're seeing uh, at Mangatukuro, just on Paroa Road there, those images you're seeing, um, it, it's not nice. And, and the scary thing is, is that um, those of us who have seen further up in that catchment, uh, we know that there's a lot more of that to come. Okay. Uh, and that's why, so it's one thing to clean up the beaches, but it, it's it's a there needs to be a an effort, a, a push to actually uh, one um, put better practice in place to stop uh, the slash ending up on the sides of hills and eventually into waterways. Uh, that's a good place to start. But how how do you start? Where do you start catching the slash uh, further up in those catchments? Um, right. Well. Yeah, here, uh, stay with us. Let's bring up a panel and they'll have some uh, views or comments. Uh, Paula? Kia ora, Hira. It's Paula speaking. Kia ora, um, Kia ora, Paula. I, I, I watched those images that you're referring to of all the dying crayfish in power. It's devastating seeing seeing that on so many levels. And I wonder what happens when you try to engage with the forestry companies, with the forest sector directly. Like, how, Do you get an audience with them? Are they Do they want to have a conversation with you? Yeah, I, I think it's, look, at, at some levels we're able to, because a lot of those people who work in those companies are, are, our, are members of our community. Mm. And so they really feel it because, you know, ultimately mm. it's, it's their practice that's, uh, that we're all having a go at. But they, they see what, they, they know exactly what's coming down out of those, out of those hills. Because a lot of the everyday Joe Blow does not have access uh, to those uh, to those blocks, hey, it's all closed off to the public. Um, so at those levels, we are having engagement. Um, I think a key thing is we all have to stop playing the, the blame game and put the well-being of our land first and our environment first. Because if we don't start addressing that, um, it, it's old and it already is affecting the well-being of our, the people in our communities. Um, so, yeah, there is some engagement going on at some levels. Um, historically, it's um, a lot of the conversations, uh, while our community has felt, has been controlled by um, uh, the Wood Council and uh, and local and the local, you know, local government. Um, yeah, I, I think right. that's why an inquiry is. is Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's uh, that's an increasing call. The uh, the Environment Defence Fund they're calling for an inquiry. I, th- I know that um, Gary was also on nine to noon this morning, so this issue is heating up uh, a fair bit. Alan Blackman, <clears throat> yeah, um, I guess you're almost in a bit of a catch twenty two situation with this yeah. because your forestry is not only a commercial venture, but presumably mm-hmm. the trees have been planted to stop erosion because it's pretty rough um, <laughs> rough area around um, sort of the east coast and everything so presumably they're they're there to stop everything coming down and then you know when they chop them down then they leave the slash and 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 again i saw those pictures on on tv of of that creek that was just it was just covered in logs it was unbelievable you know so (laughs) obviously obviously something has to be done obviously you know because east 
coast seems to get its fair share of um, deluges well, these the, days, the, doesn't the, it? The, the, the Forestry Council President, James Trevor, he's, he's said recently, look, it's highly erodible soil, like Alan says, which has been there since the time there were farms. The government planted the trees there, and now we have climate change. So there are um, some background issues to this, Hera. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And the issues are complex. I mean, and, and lest we forget, a lot of our families rely on work in the forestry to put food on their table and a roof mm-hmm. over their head. So, you know, this is a long game for us. Okay. But, but mm-hmm. if we don't start it now, we're leaving that with the next generation to, to try and start, uh, start sorting the mess. Kia ora, Hera. Nice to have you on the programme. Yep. Yeah, thank you. That's Herangata Gibson from uh, Manatai or Tairawhiti. I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot more about that and uh, whether or not there some, needs to be some sort of uh, inquiry, uh, perhaps. Um, but uh, anyway, thank you very much for all your feedback this afternoon. Lots coming through on all topics, particularly the um, uh, the, the gig that made you <laughs> cry. Thank you uh, from that. Now, the historic Bay of Islands, town of Russell, could return to its original name. The New Zealand Geographic Board, Ngapo Taunaha or Aotearoa, is considering a proposal of Russell being formally known by its pre-1840s name of Kororarika. The name translates literally as Sweet Penguin. Now, there are hui tomorrow to discuss this at 9am, 1pm, and at 5pm, all welcome, by the way, with us is Kororarika Marae Chairwoman Deborah uh, Rewari. Kia ora, Deb. Kia ora, Wallace. Pleasure to have you with us, Deb. Now, so why did the Kororarika Marae decide to lodge this proposal? Explain for us. Okay, so I'm, I'm from Kororarika, and actually my history begins here through my father's lineage and you know, our people have been domiciled out in the Bay of Islands of Pipiri for over a thousand years. Um, yeah, and archaeologists have defined that period of time. So for me, um, having that understanding and coming home to live, um, I thought part of re-indigenising um, our quaint little village, and I love it, um, was to actually recall the name that it was because when Māori visit us they call it Kororarika they don't refer to Russell and so Russell was the name that was given to Okiato because often people get confused they think that um, Kororarika was um, the first uh, government um, but it wasn't it was actually out at Okiato Oh, I see. Okay, yes. right. Yes, yes, yes. Now, um, so, uh, I mean, Deb, are you, any, are you expecting any pushback of any sort? What sort of feeling is there uh, amongst those there? Well, actually, it's quite surprising. I know when the advocates, they did the optics on it, and they found that the majority of people were actually for the name restoration, and I call it name restoration because for us, it wasn't about a name change. It was just restoring the name of Kururarika that had been taken from us um, because out at Okiato, that was actually named Russell. And then when the government moved down to Auckland, the name uh, still stayed out there until eventually it moved into the village. So oh, okay. I, 
You're always going to be complainers. Um, you know, you've just had that big corridor around um, what's happened with our ex-Prime Minister now. And generally, they're the minority, but they're very loud and uh, negative and cynical. And really, I think a lot of that has to do with their own ignorance, um, because they don't understand the history, the good, the bad and the ugly. And so for me, um, tomorrow when I'm in, you know, facilitating the process at the marae at those three different time frames, we'll be unpacking and drilling down into people having a better understanding of the history of the name. Nice one, yeah. So that's at 9am, 1 and 5 and everybody's welcome uh, to that tomorrow. So uh, that'll be called Paula. Deb, the t- two things that struck me, well, a few things, but two of the things that struck me about it uh, are the fact that the British politician after whom um, Russell was named hadn't even been there, right? <laughs> but also that Kororareka is such a beautiful-sounding name compared to Russell, <laughs> isn't it? So <laughs> on that basis alone, that would be a reason for the tick, wouldn't it? Oh, it certainly would be. And I, and I have to say that a lot of the Pākehā within the community are really backing it and around the restoration of Kororareka. And there's a backstory behind it. You know, Korora, penguin, the blue penguin, and Rika, sweet. So, you know, the, there's a longer, detailed um, story, that narrative that belongs to it. But I think it's part and parcel of us becoming more emotionally mature as mm-hmm. a country. Yeah. Okay, I had an email just, just, oh, sorry, Paula. just by the by you mentioning that uh, many Pākehā there are supporting it. I had an email just last week actually from somebody there uh, who was using Kororareka, and, yeah. uh, a Pākehā man. And so I, I was interested to see this story uh, come out now about the moves that are underway. So, yeah, kia ora for your work and good luck for your hui tomorrow. Oh, kia ora, Paula. Thank you. Very good. A final comment from Alan. <laughs> so I know a couple of people who live up there, and so I asked one of them for comment. And um, so this is what he said. And he should be noted as from Northern Ireland. So, <laughs> um, so the issue with an outright name change is there's no compromise and seemingly little tolerance. When you have different people living together with different outlooks and views, you must both tolerant, You must have both tolerance and compromise. Take this from someone who grew up in a country when there was no tolerance and no compromise. Each side wanted only their own viewpoint to be reflected completely without compromise. Where's the compromise in the minority wanting to impose something on the majority? The other side of this coin is that the majority should, of course, respect the minority, and I'm not sure that they do, certainly not as much as they should do. It all has to start at the very beginning of life. Kids need to mix together freely, especially at school, so they can arrive at the conclusion there's no fundamental difference between us and them. People living in their own silos will never achieve that. And oh, certainly, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with what he's saying. I think, I think becoming more emotionally mature is actually embracing the past, as I said, the good, the bad and the ugly, mm-hmm. and saying, okay, how do we move, move forward? And because the history of Aotearoa is going to be in the curriculum, it's, you know, for me, the foundation of everything is about relationships. And relationship is the key. Good on you. And, yeah. Deb. And Manaki is that. Manaki. Yeah. So that's what we'll be doing tomorrow.
Great to have you on, Deb. Kia ora. Thank you for your time today on the panel. That's uh, Kordanarika Marae, Chairwoman Deb Rewari, and the Hui tomorrow, 9am, 1pm, 5pm. Everybody, welcome. Uh, And uh, finally, talking about gigs that made you cry, let's go out on another one. I think with us is Clint. Are you there, Clint? Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora. And who was it? Uh, I saw Tracy Chapman in 1996 in oh. Central Park. Oh, <laughs> Tell a, us more. Uh, it was a free concert. They were doing free concerts that summer. Um, I wasn't a Tracy Chapman fan. I was sort of made to go along. And <laughs> she played an acoustic set, and it was just unreal. Like, just sitting there that night listening to her sing, she was un- like, still my favourite concert, just completely transported us. And just sitting in Central Park, looking out over the west, if you know New York, the west side of Central Park, looking at the Dakota building, all those amazing buildings on a, a beautiful night, June, just, just, it was something else. Just oh, something Clint, else you're taking us there. Yeah, you did just, just transport us there, <laughs> You're taking you? us there. Thank you, Clint, we've got to go, but thank you for your time. Uh, Alan, Alan Blackman and Paula Penfold, thank you very much for being with us this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Wallace. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, a checkpoint with Lisa Owen is next. I'm back tomorrow, 3.45.